You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, we're chatting with meditation guru and best-selling author Deepak Chopra. For the last 30 years, Deepak has been at the forefront of the meditation revolution, and he's a world-renowned pioneer in integrative medicine and personal transformation. He's also the founder of the Chopra Foundation, a nonprofit entity for research on well-being and humanitarianism, and Chopra Global, a modern-day health company at the intersection of science and spirituality. Time Magazine has described Deepak as one of the top 100 heroes and icons of the century, and he's been featured in outlets like the New York Times, CNN, the Huffington Post, and many more. In today's episode, Deepak and I chat about how meditation changed his life, and we take a close look into the ideas in his new book, Abundance, The Inner Path to Wealth. We learn about the history of money and we hear why money is the coin of consciousness. We also yap about good versus bad money karma and Deepak gives us an in-depth overview of the seven chakras. Lastly, we hear his thoughts around the intersection of the law of attention and the law of intention. If you're curious about the human experience and what it means to live a life of abundance, you're gonna wanna listen to this one a few times over. Now, without further ado, here's my conversation with the legend. Legendary Deepak Chopra. Hey Deepak, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. Thank you, Allah. Privileged to be here. It is such an honor to have you on the show today. For everybody who is tuning in on YouTube, you may notice that I'm not in my studio. That's because I'm live here at Podcast Movement. Because when Deepak Chopra has time to come on your show, you make time for Deepak Chopra no matter what's going on. So Deepak, you are a household name. I'm sure everybody listening has heard of your name, but just in case, you're a prominent figure in the New Age movement, you're a world-renowned speaker, you're a founder of the Chopra Foundation, you're a licensed physician and author of over 90 books. But today we're gonna primarily focus on your book, Abundance, The Inner Path to Wealth, because that's the perfect topic for my young and profiters. Does that sound good? That's great. At one point in your adult life, you were drinking black coffee by the hour, you were smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, And you actually turned to meditation to stop those bad habits. Can you tell us that story in your own words and how meditation changed your life? Yeah, actually, I was um, a practicing physician and I was also studying neuroendocrinology, which is the study of brain chemicals and hormones. I was teaching at Harvard, Tufts and BU, uh, junior faculty, medical students and doing some research. And in those days, we were looking at what we call the molecules of emotion which everybody knows about right now, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, opiates, anandamide, and many others. These were in the brain, you know, these molecules. 
and they were for the first time we realized the interface between what happens in our consciousness and what happens in our brain what happens in our biology turned out that these molecules were also immunomodulators they modulated the effects of the immune system fine tuned the immune system so that was my interest actually in mind body medicine and meditation yes i was stressed i was smoking and uh, cigarettes and drinking uh, alcohol uh, on weekends sometimes to excess and one day i uh, had uh, put a pacemaker in a patient put him on a ventilator in a hospital then i went outside and smoked a cigarette and i felt disgusted so i threw the cigarette and i changed my lifestyle meditation came after meditation came uh, as a result of a chance meeting with a friend who suggested that i should and then i got involved in meditation as a way to not only look at um, managing stress but a deeper understanding of what we call consciousness or spirit or awareness the same thing and that was going beyond body mind medicine so what was so innovative about what you were doing back then in terms of alternative medicine i was challenging mainstream medicine which is based on in science we call it reductionism which looks at body parts and then you try to understand how disease occurs so you try to understand how bacteria multiply and then you interfere with that with antibiotics or you try to understand how cancer cells replicate and you interfere with that with chemotherapy or radiation and it works it works it's very effective in acute illness so if you have pneumonia you need an antibiotic no question about it meditation is not going to help you clear pneumonia or if you have appendicitis you need surgery not meditation but then there's chronic illness and chronic illness means things like diabetes hypertension cardiovascular disease chronic uh, diseases of all kinds autoimmune illnesses many types of cancer premature aging that uh, we are not successful with drugs or pharmaceuticals so for that you need to look at more than the physical body and look at the mind social interactions professional interactions you have to look at a deeper level of reality called awareness or consciousness or spirit you have to look at the environment you have to look at personal relationships and much more sleep stress management mind body coordination vagal stimulation biological rhythms so the word health comes from the word whole so holistic means including everything and that was not fashionable then but now it is every medical student is exposed to it i teach at three university hospitals and everybody now teaches what was then considered uh, non mainstream but now it's not it's it's pretty mainstream yeah totally 100% so one of your key philosophies that i think that is really important for this discussion is your philosophy on evolution and you say that consciousness not necessarily darwinism or survival of the fittest really was responsible for the evolution of humans or there's more to it so i'd love to hear your perspective on that what i say is very controversial it's very few people who actually subscribe to what i'm saying so classical darwinian theory holds that evolution is the result of um, what are called random mutations you have to be very precise when you describe this word random everyone knows what a mutation is 
missing mutations every day with COVID. So a mutation is a genetic mistake where the alphabet that spells the gene, something is missing or something is extra. Life has four letters. And how they spell out words, we call them genes. And so we share the same alphabet from mosquitoes to trees to everything, rodents, chimpanzees, gorillas, and humans. The difference between a gorilla or a chimpanzee and a human is less than 2% in terms of genes. 65% of the genes that you have in your body are the same as a banana, 80% the same as a mouse, uh, about 70% as a fruit fly, and yet you still have the same alphabet. It's just the spelling is different. So when we say random mutations, we should be saying unpredictable. Random means inherently random. Unpredictable means we don't know what's going on. It's like going to Grand Central Station and you have lots of people going everywhere. It looks random, but then when you look deeply, you say, oh, so many people are going to Philadelphia, so many are going to New York. So each one is going somewhere with purpose, not randomly. It appears random to us. So first of all, random is not a good word. It should be unpredictable. Natural selection is a good word. It means that those genes that survive start to dominate. And that's current Darwinian theory. And it's called the evolution of species, not the evolution of life. Nobody knows how life evolves. Evolution of species means how did bacteria become plants, become animals, become rodents, become primates, became humans. And so current theory is that uh, somehow that happened and we are at the top of the food chain now as a result of that. It, there's a school of thought that says that probably could not be true. It's too precise. And also there are leaps, in, uh, there are gaps. You know, the difference between a chimpanzee and a human is only less than 2%, but chimpanzees don't read Shakespeare. They don't send people to the moon. They don't design computers or talk on Zoom. They don't have existential issues like, who am I? What do I want? What happens after death? It's too different. So there's a school of thought that, and that actually even Dr. Francis Collins, who's the head of the NIH and was responsible for the Genome Project, he calls it theistic evolution, that somehow our being has something to do it. I don't like the word theistic because you know, again, scientists are allergic to God, so we don't use that word. But consciousness or awareness as an organizing principle, some people are not allergic to that. So we say consciousness probably guides evolution. Nobody's actually seen evolution happening. It's all from the fossil record. And so whatever we say is based on circumstantial evidence. I believe that humans now physically are probably not evolving but they are evolving in consciousness, in creativity, in imagination, in creating artificial or augmented intelligence, in creating um, metaverses, in creating uh, 3D realities. So there is something going on. Humans are evolving. And it is possible as they evolve in consciousness, biology may follow. But we're all guessing. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. 
And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They're in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password and then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Something that stuck out to me in your book was when you said that animals don't really consider like happiness, like they're happy on their own, mostly, whereas humans, it's like we have problems being happy. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we even have in our constitution the pursuit of happiness, which implies we are miserable automatically. Happiness is the opposite of sadness. You can't have one without the other. There's something else called joy which is innate. You see it in a baby, in a child, full of wonder, curiosity, love, compassion, empathy, the whole works. But as we grow up, we are bamboozled or conditioned by social constructs, and that makes us happy. We also have existential dilemmas. Like at some point, we start, no matter who you are, you could be intoxicated with the biology of youth, but one day you're going to get old. One day you're going to have infirmity. And one day you're going to die. So that leads humans to ask existential dilemmas. Not that they know the answers, but they ask. Also, humans are victimized by memory 
and also by imagination. So if you kick a dog, the dog will remember. And if you meet the dog five years later, it might attack you. But unlike a human being, it won't plan for five years how to get even. (laughs) We are a species full of contradiction, paradox, ambiguity, and existential conundrums, including what is called the dark night of the soul. Mm, The dark night of the soul. What's that? That is when you realize that you don't have an identity. That we all think, you know, I am Deepak Chopra. You think, uh, you know, we, if you say I have a body, then you have a problem. Which body are you talking about? Fertilized ovum, zygote, embryo, baby, toddler, teenager, young adult, old person, all the way to dusty death. So what we call a body is not a noun, it's a verb. You can't grasp it. Similarly, your mind. You say I'm a mind. Which one? Teenager's mind. An emotionally undeveloped mind at eight years, which qualifies you to run for president, but nothing else. If you're emotionally undeveloped, the only thing, and you you can run for president. That's the only thing that you're qualified for. (laughs) But the point is that human beings, there's no such thing as an identity. It's all a false construct. So dark night of the soul is realize you don't have an identity. There's nothing permanent about you, period. Not your mind, not your emotions, not your personality, not your body. So when you go through that period of spiritual experience, it's part of the spiritual experience, then you get what are called the heebie-jeebies. You realize you don't exist as a person. So what do you exist as? That's the big, you know, spiritual quest. Dark night of the soul, Jesus Christ went through it. St. John of the Cross went to it. Anybody who pursues the, uh, a spiritual quest will go through the dark night of the soul, and it's like torture. But then if you cross over, then there's what is called ecstasy, because you find that you're actually God pretending to be a human being. Mm, very fascinating. As, by, as Ram Das, great spiritual teacher, used to say, we're all God in drag. I love that. I would love to talk about abundance and start to understand your perspective on the inner path to abundance, starting with the history of money, because money, you say, is from consciousness as well, right? No other animals are using money for tools or resources or whatever it is. So talk to us about the history of money. So up until 40,000 years ago, there were about eight different kinds of humans. We call ourselves Homo sapiens, which means the wise ones. So we were humble enough to call ourselves wise. Then we gave other species names like Neanderthals and Homo floruensis, on and on. So species mates only within its own kind. Just like you have the lion species or the feline species, you include cats and panthers and tigers and cheetahs and uh, lions, they're all the same uh, family, but they're different species. So like that, there were about eight or so human species, and they all had a language for what we call mating, reproduction, sex, and a language for danger. That's it. This is how we survive. This is the language that all other animals have, you know, birds, and every species has language. Then one species, us, we created a language for telling stories. We are the only 
a species that tells stories. With that, we created stories like money, like colonial states, like empires, like latitude, like longitude, like Greenwich Mean Time, and so on. And we created money because before that, I'll give you a haircut and you fix my shoes. And that became too inconvenient. So we said, okay, I'll give you this shell and this means so much, or this stone means so much. And then that too was inconvenient. So we made it coins and money on paper. But money is a human story for, I believe, exchange of values. Whatever values you have, you exchange them. And that's what we call money, the exchange or currency, currency for exchanging values. So if your values are pornography or um, guns or whatever, alcohol, tobacco, you can make money. You can just go to Las Vegas and hang out with people like that and you'll make money. If your values are movies, then you make money hanging out with people who make movies, etc. If your values are health and consciousness, which are mine, then you make money with people who have the same values. That's why the book, right in the beginning, I have something called a soul profile. When you fill that in, what your soul is, your deeper values are. It's not your bio, which is on LinkedIn, and your bio is what other people think of you. Your soul profile tells you what your values are. And then if you create a community of people who have the same values, you can make a lot of money with those values. That's exchange. That's why we call it exchange. And so that is only about money. Now, abundance is not just money. Abundance is fulfillment at many levels. So I wrote the book actually after I heard a lyric from Bob Marley, which said, some people are so poor, all they have is money. And then I did research on people who have lots of money and people who have no money. And I found they're the same because they think only about money. The poor can't think of anything else. And the rich, it becomes their identity. They confuse self-worth with net worth. Yeah, I like to say they confuse their selfie with their true self. So they sacrifice their self for their selfie. They think their selfie is what they are. Mm. You know, wealth and abundance is much more than money. Money adds about 12% of joy and happiness to your life. So if you win the lottery, you'll be ecstatic for six months, then you'll plateau, and then you'll be back to your baseline, which is what you were before you won the lottery. Mm-hmm. Five years later, you might be more miserable because you're trying to hide your money in the Bahamas or becoming an oligarch or something like that. So it becomes a source of stress. You need abundance at many levels. So security, if you have money, you don't necessarily have security and safety because I know a lot of people who don't feel secure, they have billions of dollars. Sensual delight. You can't buy sensual delight, which means enjoyment of the five senses by money. You have to be mindful. You don't buy self-esteem by money. You don't buy true love by money. You can simulate. Somebody can marry you for your money. Then they hope you die soon so they can inherit the money. You can't buy creative expression, insight, intuition, imagination, higher consciousness. You can't lose the fear of death by buying money. money. So abundance means all of the above, including um, the loss of the fear of death which only comes through identifying with your true self or your soul, which has nothing to do with the amount of money you have. You can't buy joy with money either. 
We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Hey, Yap Fam. Starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full-time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago. And now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify Magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. So you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do. Because businesses that grow Grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting, and that's all lowercase. If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, if you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm gonna like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like 
waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So since you brought up the soul's purpose, I know that in your book, you give a couple questions that we can ask ourselves. What's a way that we can find out what our soul's purpose is? Well, it's in the book. You know, you have to identify your peak experiences, what your purpose in life is. If you had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, what would you do? How would you serve? What is your contribution to your family, to the world, to society? Who are your heroes, heroines in history, mythology, religion, business? What are your unique talents? How do you express them? Who benefits? What do you value in a relationship? What do you give? What do you receive? On and on. When you fill that out, you know who you are. Otherwise, you can check out LinkedIn for your bio. Yes. And I'll definitely stick the link to your book in the show notes so everybody can check that out. He's got lots of quizzes and stuff. And it's very interactive. It's a great book. So let's talk about abundance life models. So India and Japan are two countries that have abundance life models that are popular, yoga and ikigai. So I'd love for you to break down what yoga is. A lot of people think yoga is just exercise. That's really not all it's about. And uh, what ikigai is as well. Well, ikigai is similar to yoga. Yoga is more expansive. So yoga has eight limbs. Yoga means union with your true self which is the divine in you. So yoga has eight limbs. And these eight limbs are rules. First two have to do with uh, uh, what we call social and emotional intelligence, that they're called yama and niyama. The third is the yoga that you go to, you know, yoga studios for. Mm -hmm. But even there, it's not an exercise. Each posture is a seat of awareness. So when you do happy baby, you should feel like a happy baby if you do it properly. Or you do a cat cow, you assume the not only the posture of a cat cow, but you get the feeling, the consciousness of that, etc. The yoga postures are called yoga asanas. Asana means seat of awareness. Then you have breathing techniques called pratyahara. There are hundreds of them and you can modulate your breath to bring about any effect in your body including increase energy, decrease energy, and shift energy in all kinds of ways. That's called pranayama. And then there's something called pratyahara, which is withdrawal of the senses, learning to regulate the internal organs of your body, heart rate, blood pressure, immune system, endocrine system, microbiome, etc. And then there are the last three steps are dhyana, meditation, dharana, focus, awareness, and samadhi, transcendence. So these are the eight limbs of yoga, and most people only learn one, and that too, not adequately, because they just think it's exercise or stretching. I'm writing a book now on what yoga really is. Yoga means union 
It's derived from the word yuj. It's the same as the English word yoke. So when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that's yoga because he feels connected to the source of all experience. I never realized how interesting yoga was and how much there was to it. And so you really opened my eyes and I'm super excited to like learn more about chakras and how to do mantras. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but it really is exciting stuff. And I think my listeners, you guys should really go pick up that book because it's really good. So Ikigai, I think this is super important in terms of finding a career that really aligns with our purpose and makes us fulfilled. So I'd love for you to explain that as well. Ikigai is same as Dharma, follow your bliss. So Mm. when you express your unique talents, it's not work. It's like play. When you express your unique talents, you lose track of time as well. And you have a lot of joy. Ikigai is following your bliss the same way as Dharma. And then you act from that level, not from your mind, but from the level of your source spirit. And that's why uh, knowing your dharma is very important. We do go through that in the book, you know, all the, all the ways you can figure out what your purpose is, how to follow your bliss, which is what Joseph Campbell also spoke about. But he didn't say, how do you do it? So it's here in the book. Yes. Okay, so another term that I feel like a lot of people know is karma, but they get it wrong. So what are the misconceptions of karma that people have? So karma simply means past experience and not only past experience, but interpretation of past experience. It's your personal story about life. Hmm. So if you close your eyes and do nothing, you'll immediately become aware that you're having a conversation with yourself. Who is it that's having the conversation with yourself? It's your conditioned mind. And that conversation is always about good and bad things. So if you're having a conversation about past experiences that were happy, then your body feels good. If you're remembering past experiences that you thought were unhappy, then your body feels unpleasant. That goes on and on. You know, you can't have good without the bad. You have to have both uh, by contrast, just like you can't have up without down or hot without cold. Goal of um, life is not to um, get good karma. The goal of life is to be independent of karma. And that is you go beyond. So the physical body is called the karmic body or the conceptual body because there's no such thing as a physical fixed body, as we just said. So the conceptual or karmic body is what recycles as the soul or the conditioned mind. If you go beyond that, there's something called the bliss body. And that bliss body is independent of all your stories, positive or negative. Mm. And that comes through meditation, through mindfulness, through inquiry, through self-reflection, through awareness of the body, awareness of the breath, awareness of internal organs, awareness of relationships, awareness of your social and professional interactions, awareness of the ecosystem, and awareness of your relationship to the universe. That's karma. Mm. So since this is Young and Profiting Podcast, we've got a lot of young professionals that are trying to grow their wealth and they're entrepreneurs and they care about money. So let's talk about good versus bad money karma. What does that look like? Well, right now, Putin has bad karma. (laughs) And they said, karma never loses an address. So he's going to pay for it somehow or the other. 
Bad karma simply means the choices you made were harmful and destructive to both yourself and to others. That's not good money. It's contaminated money. And karma never loses an address. You'll, you will, it'll come back to you. And then good karma money, as far as is coming from what we call love in action. Mm. Love without action is irrelevant. Action without love is meaningless. But when you have love in action, we call it karma yoga. And karma yoga is the best way to make money. I love that. So we can't just sit here and have a great mindset. We also have to do something if we want to get money. We have to have intention. So can you talk to us about the law of attention and the law of intention and how they interact? So our spirit or our consciousness doesn't work through rational logic. It just works through attention. Attention means where you're putting your energy. So right now, uh, please put your energy on your toes. Did you do that? I guess I thought about my toes. <laughs> okay, no, not hard. Put your attention there, awareness there. Okay. Feel your toes. That's called attention. Now wiggle your toes. That's intention. So attention is putting your awareness somewhere. Intention is action. Hmm. And when you combine the two, And not just toes. You can do that with space. You can do that with consciousness. You can do that with your own infinite being. Then intention organizes its own fulfillment. I also call it the law of least effort. Do less and accomplish more. And ultimately do nothing and accomplish everything. So your very presence creates wealth if you know how to do it. So for me, one of my favorite parts of your book was you had a bell diagram and it was on the human condition. And basically yoga teaches that human consciousness is pulled in different directions by the same forces, order and chaos. So the left side of the bell curve is entropy. So that's habit, inertia, unconscious behavior. The right side is creative intelligence. Creative intelligence was something I never heard of. And I think it's very, very useful to everyone. And I feel like my listeners are going to love this. So can you explain entropy and creative intelligence and the spectrum that everyone is on? Entropy is something that follows the arrow of time. It's the dissipation of heat to the what is called endpoint is the heat death of absolute zero. Everything disappears. And that's what's going to happen to the universe one day. It'll disappear into a black hole. And that's called a singularity. That's the end of entropy. But aging is entropy also. The opposite of entropy is creative intelligence. And it is not linear. So you have to ask yourself, how does a human body think thoughts, play a piano, kill germs, remove toxins, and make a baby all at the same time? You know, there's no logical way, linear way, that you can do all this. Your mind cannot multitask. It can only do one thing at a time. In fact, it, it never multitasks. That's a myth. When you do one th- you think you're doing many things at the same time, you're switching from one to the other very rapidly, and actually you're doing neither, and you're, you're messing up your n- brain networks. Creative intelligence is basically doing an almost infinite number of things all at the same time and correlating them with each other. Your body functions like that. Your cells your stomach cells, your heart cells, your kidney cells, your brain cells, all work in coordination without even sending messages to each other. Hmm. So creative intelligence is non-local. It doesn't employ space-time. It is the inherent intelligence of the universe 
and it is you have to go beyond your rational mind. That's where meditation comes in. The seven chakras are simply seven junction points between consciousness and biology. So the lower chakras have to do with survival and safety, with sexuality and sensuality, with uh, ambition and making money and transformation. But then those are important chakras, all of them, because we need that for, for our survival. But then there's love and there's belongingness and then there's creative expression, there's intuition, there is higher consciousness and there is transcendence. The chakra methodology in the book is a very ancient practice. It comes from what is called, in the West, it's called Tantra, which is misunderstood because most people think Tantra is sexual practices. Mm -hmm. And that is one aspect of Tantra and it's not the right name even. It's called Tantra in Sanskrit. And there are three practices that go with Tantra. They're called Tantra, Yantra, and Mantra. So Tantra is the ritual. And in the book, you have these rituals, seven, seven rituals, each of the chakras. And then you have mantras. Mantra means instrument of the mind. Man means mind. It's the origin of the word, English word, human, man, woman. Mm. So it's the same. And we are thinking beings. Mantra is an instrument of the mind that takes you beyond the mind. Yantra is a visual intention. You visualize what you want. When you combine mantra, yantra, and tantra, then you manifest. It's not the law of attraction, which is all mental, in my view, silly. So chakras is super interesting to me. Talk to us about what chakras are exactly, and there's seven of them. So maybe you can kind of walk us through what they are. Yeah, I did uh, just a while ago. I did. But anyway, chakras are junction points between the spirit and the body-mind. So the word chakra means wheel and the wheel of awareness. And so they are in your body along the spine, but metaphors. And by putting your attention on these different places and practicing the mantra, the yantra, and the tantra, mm -hmm. you begin to manifest what is associated with the chakra, first chakra. So the first chakra is about survival and safety. The second chakra is sexuality and sensuality. The third chakra is ambition and success. The fourth is love and belongingness. The fifth is creative expression. The sixth is intuition and knowingness. And the seventh is going beyond all of them, loss of the fear of death, transcendence, and finding who you really are. So when all these chakras are aligned, then you basically are fulfilled, which means you have abundance at all levels, not just. I love that. Awesome. Well, as we start to wrap up this interview, Deke Fox, thank you so much for your time. We always ask our guests the same couple of questions at the end, and then we do some fun stuff at the end of the year. So what is one actionable thing my young and profiters can do today to be more profiting tomorrow? One actionable thing they can do. Ask yourself, what would I do if I had all the money and all the time in the world and then who would benefit and then go for it? I love that. And what is your secret to profiting in life? Don't worry about the profit. Worry about how you can help other people the fastest way to be successful is to make other people successful. I love that. Amazing. And then my last question to you, as my father was also an immigrant who became a doctor and 
was successful, not as successful as you, but you really lived the American dream. And I would love for you to give some advice to some of our immigrant listeners about how they can succeed as an immigrant being different than other people and just some insight given all of your success as an immigrant. Immigrant means you bring a unique culture to this country. And actually, the best way to be successful is to have maximum diversity. Work with people who bring maximum diversity to your team, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Maximum diversity of race, of gender, of nationality, of um, education then shared vision, have the same vision together, and then support each other emotionally and and spiritually, like a good soccer team, and then you'll be successful. If you're only thinking about yourself, you can't be successful. Hard work, driving ambition, exacting plans will make you successful. By the time you are, you probably have some kind of disease and stress and, you know, you'll be miserable. So, Do it the right way. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? Deepakchopra.com. And we have a very wonderful site called neveralone.love. It helps young teens who are uh, contemplating suicide, which is the second most common cause of death in this country. And so we are creating an ecosystem to help teens not only go beyond depression, but experience joy. So deepakchopra.com and neveralone.love. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Hala. Wow, what an amazing episode. Whenever I listen to Deepak or read one of his books, I'm always reminded about the uniqueness of the human experience and how important it is for us as individuals and as a collective to gain deeper understanding and awareness of consciousness and spirit, especially if we want to live fulfilling, purposeful, and abundant lives. It was so incredible to have somebody like Deepak on this podcast. He's literally a living legend, and I'm so honored that I had the opportunity to sit down with him and catch up with him for an entire hour. So at the core of this episode, it's all about abundance, and Deepak shared some great actionable advice, and I wanted to call out a couple takeaways before we call it a night. The first is to create a community of people who share similar values. This reminds me of the saying, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. We've all heard this saying, but I want to remind you that as frequently as you can, put yourself in proximity with the people that you look up to, the people who are doing what you want to be doing or have the lifestyle that you want to eventually achieve. When you do this, you're not only building relationships and connections, you're also starting to focus your energy and gain traction with your goals. And this brings me right into the second takeaway, the law of attention and the law of intention. The law of attention is that energy flows to where we are focused. And the law of intention is what puts this into motion. Intention is the trigger for action. So intention can look like a lot of different things from journaling and mantras to being actively involved in conversations with that community of people that you've surrounded yourself with. Focus your attention on what you want and set your intention to achieve it. And you can find abundance in any aspect of your life. And lastly, remember that abundance doesn't only refer to money. It includes relationships, experiences, family, friends, physical and mental health and beyond. So to achieve abundance, we've got to find out what our soul's purpose is. Ask yourself, what would you do if you had all the money and time in the world? Who would you serve? How would you contribute? And once you have that answer, 
get straight to work. And Yap Fam, when you do start achieving abundance in all aspects of your life, including financial, don't forget about that good money karma. Use your wealth for good and use it from a place of love. Remember, as Deepak said, karma never forgets an address. I loved that line. So let's keep the conversation. You guys can find me on LinkedIn by searching for me, or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Yap with Hala. And if you love this conversation with Deepak Chopra, please drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks so much to my Yap team. And thanks for listening to another incredible episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. I'll see you next time. And this is your host, Hala Taha, signing off.